Good morning. We would like to greet you and your family a happy new year 2021. That's in behalf of the leadership of the church. We are the church. I also personally thank you for and your family for being a part of WAC family. We are so excited to see you once again and the media team released uh, the official statement or the announcement of the reopening of our church and please also I would like to remind you to watch carefully for the instruction video to be released soon by the media team and for that I would like to invite everyone to join us in our Sunday service soon to be open at Galliardo building AS Fortuna Street, Gizo, Mandawi City. Thank you. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this new year. Father, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your greatness, oh God, that you have protected us, Lord. And uh, up to this time that we are here, Father God, Lord, standing, oh Father God, Lord. And I pray that you will help us, oh God, this year to recover and rise from this ruins of God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. Our theme for this year is recovering and rising from the ruins. Recovering in the dictionary means uh, find or regain position. Uh, something stolen or lost. Rising is in the dictionary is going up or increasing or slipping upward. Uh, this is not just recovering. Our theme, I mean our theme is not just recovering from what was lost, but also increasing. Are you excited? No? In the Bible, we can find many stories of people recovering and increasing. If you can remember those stories, one of the example is Abraham. That's in Genesis chapter 13. If you have your Bible, let's open our Bible to Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 5. Now, Lot was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. I want, to take, I want you to take note that Lot is Abraham's nephew. He just go along with his uncle. As Abraham was blessed, Lot was also blessed. Lot acquired great wealth. I believe that Lot followed his uncle because he is close to him. We understand from these verses that their wealth caused a great problem. The land could not support them while they stayed together. Continuing in verse 8 in chapter 13 of Genesis. So Abraham said to Lot, Let us not have any quarreling between you and me or between 
your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Verse 9, Is it not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Here you can we can notice that Abraham initiated to solve the problem before the quarreling progresses to fighting. His solution is to part ways. He give Lot the opportunity to choose. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Continuing in verse 10, Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord. How beautiful is that? Like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So in verse 11, so Lot choose for himself the whole plain of, jo of the Jordan and set out toward east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan which is described in the scripture like the garden of the Lord. How beautiful is that? This tells us that what was left for Abraham is not the best land compared to the plain of Jordan, no, which was described like the garden in this verses, like the garden of the Lord, which is well watered. It is like ruins compared to the plain of Jordan. This is my friend, selfishness in the part of Lot. How can Lot do this to his uncle Abraham? Maybe at this point, no, Abraham is asking for himself, What have I done? Maybe Abraham's wife is quarreling with him, asking, Why did you let him do that to you? Maybe his servants and his herders were talking asking to each other why did their master did that or allow his nephew to do that to him let's continue reading in verse 14 the lord said to abram after lot had parted from him this was the lord said to abram look around from where you are to the north to the south to the east and west all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone can count the dust then your offspring could be counted go walk through the land and breathe of the land for I am giving it to you so Abraham, in verse 18, went to live near the great trees of Mamre and Hebron, where he pitched his tent. Then he built an altar to the Lord. At this point, maybe Abraham is having his 
me time, maybe alone for himself, knowing he will miss his nephew lot and his family and also he lost the best part of the land maybe at this time he feels weak due to the judgment that he received from his maybe from his wife or maybe from his servants but i believe that abraham is genuinely generous person his passion for god bearing fruit of generosity god gave hope to abraham that it will not be always like this forever. God reminded Abraham of what he promised earlier. In Genesis chapter, if you remember, God gave his promise to our Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3. Starting verse verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. In verse 2, God said to Abraham, This is the part that God promised Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who blessed you, and whoever cursed you, I will curse and all people on the earth will be blessed through you this is the promise of God to Abraham now I would like to ask you what is the best part in your life that you lost during the pandemic for some maybe the career opportunity maybe a loved ones that passed away due to the virus for some, maybe the opportunity to go abroad, or maybe you lost your job, or maybe your business was closed and you need to file bankruptcy. For some, maybe you receive less than less than usual of what you receive financially. Whatever it is, it brings us to the lowest valley of our life or the lowest point of our life. For some, it is like a ruins, a valley of ruins. The most amazing part of this time of our life is that God's voice is clearer than other days. He will remind us that He is here, that He never leave us nor forsake us. Like Abraham, God reminded him of His promises. God, as usual, initiated to talk to Abraham and reminded him that His promise is still a promise. God did not wait for Abraham to cry out to him in prayer or waited for Abraham to fast uh, for God to encourage him or maybe God waited for Abraham uh, for him to weep bitterly and soak his pillow in tears. No, but God initiated to strengthen Abraham. I repeat, God initiated to strengthen Abraham. That is the most reason that we can bring all the glory and honor to God. Because He most deserve it. Glory to God. He always initiated to help and reminding us of His word that eventually strengthen us in times like this. Do you have an ear to hear God? 
I believe that He is talking to you. He is talking to me in the midst of pandemic. He is telling us, it is not always to be like this, but better days are coming. There is hope in Christ. God calls us to recover and rise up from the ruins. In Isaiah 43 verse 19 it says, starting in verse 19, See, I am doing new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God is asking. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, guys, friends, brothers and sisters, you know, the saddest thing is that when we miss what God is doing, when God already stopped the storm, but we didn't know, and when the rainbow is already on our head, but still we cannot see, we cannot perceive, or we cannot perceive it, what God has been doing, because our focus is on the problem. Like this pandemic, when our focus is not in God, we cannot perceive what God is doing. Then, recovering and rising is near to impossible to happen. Events like calamities, pandemic, and other things like this will always pull us down. I strongly believe that this is the time to revive our passion for God. Why passion? The creative force behind all great art, all great drama, all great music, all great architecture, all great writing is passion. Nothing great is ever accomplished in life without passion. Nothing great is ever sustained in life without passion. Passion is what energizes life. Passion makes the impossible possible. Passion gives you a reason to get up in the morning and go. I am going to do something in my life today. Without passion, life becomes boring. It becomes monotonous. It becomes routine. It becomes dull. God created you with the emotion to have passion in your life and He wants you to be passionate in life. Passion is what mobilizes armies into action. Passion is what causes explorers to boldly go where no one's gone before. Passion is what causes scientists to spend late night hours trying to find the cure of the dreaded disease. That's passion. Passion is what takes a good athlete and turns him or her into a great athlete where they breaking records. You've got to have passion in life, my friend. One day, a man walks up to Jesus and he says, Lord, what is the most important thing in the Bible? And you know what the great commandments is? Jesus said, I want you to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. Nothing matters more than that. 
That's the number one thing in life. I want you to love me passionately. Nothing else matters in life if you don't love God passionately. God doesn't want you to love Him half-heartedly. He wants you to love Him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. I love the paraphrase of that verse in Mark chapter 11 verse 30 from the message. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Circle the word passion. That word in Greek is the word heart. God is saying that I want you to put some muscles into it. Put some energy, put some emotion into your relationship with me. Don't be a wimp about your relationship with me. Don't be a numby-pamby. Don't be a half-hearted. Give it all you got. What Jesus is saying, my friend, if you are going to follow me, You've got to go it with passion. You've got to give it some oomph, some spark, some sip, some enthusiasm, some zest. I want you to live passionately. In fact, this truth is all through the Bible. The Bible tells us that we are to seek God passionately. We are to love God passionately. The Bible says that we're to serve and obey God passionately. We're to trust God passionately. And as if we didn't get the message, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, do it with all your heart, as unto the Lord, and not unto men. He says, I want you to do everything passionately when it comes to loving me serving me and living for me now here's the most amazing thing in the philippines it's okay to be passionate about anything except god i can be passionate about movies i can be passionate about sports I can be passionate about politics, I can be passionate about fashions or clothes, I can be passionate about restaurants and foods, but I cannot be passionate about God. That's a no-no. Now if you type the word passion for in Amazon.com, you can find couple of hundreds of books with that title there is a book a passion for birds a passion for books a passion for cactus a passion for chocolates a passion for fashion a passion for fishing a passion for flying a passion for garden a passion for golf a passion for hunting there's even a book called a passion for mushroom a passion for needle point a passion for pasta a passion for ponies there is a book called a passion for potatoes for roses for shoes but in this culture 
it is okay to be passionate about anything except for religion, except for your faith, except for your relationship with God. I can go out to a rock concert or political rally or a basketball game. I can shout my head off. I can get excited. When my team loses, I could cry. Nobody thinks that's a big deal. When my team wins, I can jump up and dance around, wave my hands in the air. If I do that at the game, people will say, he's a real fan. If I do that in church, people say, he's a fanatic. He's a nutcase. You don't want to get too emotional about your faith. It's okay about anything else but not that. In Romans, in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it says, Never be lacking of zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Keep the fires going in your life. Now, encircle the word keep. Notice, it's not automatic. It is a choice. It is a discipline. It is something you must maintain. You are not or we are not by nature passionate about God. It's something that you must choose to do. You get distracted and everything in life conspires to keep you from being passionate about God. So he says, keep your passion going on. Keep the fires going. It is a discipline. It is not automatic. This kind of thing, being passionate about God, has nothing to do with either your personality or your age. Churches are filled with thousands of senior believers who have walked with God a long, long time and still passionate. When you first become a believer and you really understand what good deal you've got, you've got excited about it. No? And this is quite a deal. All my sins are forgiven. I now have a purpose for living and I now have a future home in heaven. What a deal. And you get excited about that. And when you give your life to Christ and you're pretty passionate. But as time goes by, you begin to lose your steam. You begin to lose your zip, your zest your enthusiasm, what happened? That's what we are going to discuss next Sunday. So don't miss next Sunday, church. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that everyone who is listening to this message will become more passionate. Lord, in your word. Lord, in loving you, O God. In serving you, O God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that uh, help us to understand that Recovering and rising from the ruins is near to impossible without our passion, O oh God, to you, Father God. Lord, I pray, Lord, everyone will become passionate about you every day as we walk through this year, Father God, Lord. Let, let our journey, Father God, Lord, Lord, will be meaningful, Lord, as we walk passionately, Lord to you, O God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.